You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to a very special episode of Nightmare on Film Street. We're taking a tour down Nightmare Alley. I'm Kim. I'm John. And we're talking to Chrissy Fox and Spider One about their very awesome sort of horror anthology, Allegoria. Yeah, this movie kicks so much ass. I can't say enough good things about it. We sort of raved about it after Panic Fest. If you if you listen to our What's Keeping Us Creepy about the best movies we saw back in April. And I'm so happy this movie's finally out. I need to talk to people about it. Yeah, it just dropped on Shudder. So if you have a Shudder subscription, you can watch it immediately. Immediately following this interview. It's not too spoilery. We try not to be so spoilery that uh, we ruin the film. And, and this one doesn't really have, you know, things to be spoiled. It's more of a, like, let's meditate on the state of creativity and why it fucking ruins us all. Yeah, so Kim calls it a sort of horror anthology because it's five contained stories about the darkness that visits artists, uh, you know, deep in the middle of the night when they have doubts about what they're doing. Uh, You know, obviously they take that to a much more horror place. There's fucking monsters. Uh, A screenwriter literally has the villain from his screenplay show up to beat the shit out of him, (laughs) like Jason Voorhees style. Uh, But it is a, a, I don't want to say deeply artistic Anthology. That's what I like. What I love most about it is that it's not just one type of horror. Like yeah. it's not just slasher type. It's not just monster filled. It's got some psychological moments. It's got some really funny fucking moments. Hell yeah! Like every single one of these looks like a 10, 15 minute preview of a full ass movie you want to watch. Yeah, we enjoyed this movie so much when we saw it on the big screen. We saw we watched it again on the small screen, and it was just as fucking fantastic. So. I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on the film. Um, and it's also like 70 minutes. It's like, it takes no time. It is the perfect runtime. 90 <laughs> minutes, great. Less than 90 minutes, ideal. <laughs> but yeah, this movie kicks a lot of ass. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of different types of movies. I think any horror fan will appreciate it. And especially if you do anything creative in your life, if you're a creative person, this is going to resonate with you so fucking much. Oh, yeah. It deals with actors. It deals with fine art painters, writers, photographers, musicians. Absolutely. I think everybody who's done any sort of creative endeavor will see themselves in this movie at least once. And it's kind of funny when it shows up. There's there's a scene where a guitarist is hanging out with his band after practice, just getting super high, talking about like the cosmic nature of music. And I was like, you know, I hate to say it, but I've I've been this guy and I've had this exact <laughs> conversation. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> but like the other really cool thing about Allegoria is that it is a movie really made by Spider One and Chrissy Fox. They did absolute they did damn near everything on this movie. Obviously, Spider One wrote and directed it. They both produced it. Chrissy edited it, did the sound design. And she stars in it. And she stars in it. She's fucking incredible in this movie. Like, Oscar-worthy performance. Like, if we're all still mad about Tony Collette, get ready for another letdown. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we were lucky enough to sit down with them and chat the film and all about how it was conceived, how it was filmed in six days. It's insane. This film is just a testament of what raw creativity and just like hitting the pavement and making something can can be like. Yeah, I think you'll probably want to run out and and if if buy not buy a video camera. Yeah, buy a video camera, pick take your guitar out of the attic. Like I think this movie's probably gonna inspire you and also uh it has some great nightmare imagery in it. But enough from us about the film. Let's get to our interview with Spider One and Chrissy Fox on Allegoria. I need you to look at me when I'm speaking. Death means more. Death. I am an allegoria of nothing. Others have seen what is and ask why. I have seen what could be and ask why not. Well, my friend, <laughs> you did it again. Art is in everything and everyone. You could be a rock star. Hi, rock star. Chrissy, Spider, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today on the podcast. We're really excited to chat with you about Allegoria. Yeah. I mean, you guys were like so early on seeing this film at uh, Panic Fest. So it's crazy. Uh, I hope you remember what what the film was about because it's been months, right? <laughs> we've, been, we've pretty much been yeah. talking about it nonstop since. So, yeah, we got a pretty good read on it. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was great at that uh, at, at Panic Fest because we didn't know anything about it. It was just like, oh yeah, we're just gonna see every movie that's playing and like, oh yeah, we'll see this allegory, cool title. Let's see what it's about. I think like five minutes into the movie, we both just leaned into each other like, I think this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like at Panic Fest we were that movie that no one knew anything about. It's like a lot of the movies had either been maybe had a trailer out for a while or were maybe even out, I don't know, or had some limited theatrical or played other festivals. And I think we were just the, what the fuck is this movie? You know? So it was kind of, kind of fun to be that, that film. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool poster too. Like it's, it's impossible not to want to watch it when you just got like this <laughs> monster face screaming at you. Yeah. <laughs> where is so no, no makeup involved at all. In that picture, <laughs> right? No, that that's kind of what I look like right now. That's the no filter look. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> so where did the where did the original idea for for this come from? Yeah, I mean, it really was. Uh, it, it's interesting because it wasn't a grand plan to make a feature, or I guess what people can refer to as an anthology. Um, <clears throat> it really started as filming that first segment with John Ennis and as the acting teacher because I just had this idea for this little short segment, and it's sort of a I guess proof of concept in my own brain that I had the ability to make something that made sense and you know looked good and and so we finished that and I just couldn't really shake the idea that there was more to this 
you know, this idea, this idea of art combined with horror and other forms of art and how that could manifest these troubling situations for our characters. And so it really just then became creating a cool puzzle, you know, and, and putting the pieces together, figure out what, okay, well, there's painting, there's, there's music, there's, you know, and going through the list of what would make compelling uh, subjects for the stories. And then the fun part was just kind of reverse engineering and figuring out how we were going to connect the dots with these circumstances and characters. It's, it's so interesting. From then on, it just went, you know, yeah, to hear that, like the the uh, very beginning, it was kind of just a short because the film is very cyclical in that way, like where the end kind of takes you back to the beginning, and it's it's so interesting that that was a- that came afterwards. Yeah, and I think that was the big challenge, you know. Uh, after making, and, and if I'm not mistaken, we did shoot them all in order. So we did, when it yeah. came down to the final one, it was really the biggest challenge figuring out, like, okay, this has to be. This can't just be another segment with, you know, some small tie. So we had to figure out how is this going to all come back around? How is this going to give the film a bigger purpose, you know? And so by making the the fifth story, essentially the first story is, I think, was the key to making this thing work. I think it had it not, it still would have been, you know, five cool stories that you could enjoy watching. But I think the fact that this timeline now loops back for me anyways, makes it a much more interesting movie. You know, I think when Chrissy, we, we, there's a, there's a, for anyone sees the movie, there's a phone conversation that happens in the second story. And then that same phone conversation happens in the fifth story, but from the reverse perspective for me was just like one of the, one of the coolest moments in the, in the movie. Did you shoot it in order because you wanted to make sure that like everything lined up or was there like a logistical reason why you guys did it that way? I think it just fell into place. You know, I don't think, I mean, I suppose you could have rearranged them to a certain degree. I mean, I think one in five have to stay where they are. The other ones maybe could have shuffled, but it just felt right. You know, um, you know, sequence, it's funny. There's a similarity to sequencing an album, you know, when you put your songs together and like what's going to flow into the next and when it's time to take a breath and when it's time to amp it up. And I think that it just felt like this was the right order. And uh, so, so Chris, how is it to uh, to act? You have like like such a hard role in this movie. It's, you have a lot of roles in this production in general. But uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, it's like it's almost like you play three different characters in this movie. Like you've got your you've got your monster, you've got your artist, and then you've you've got this deeper, darker person that is really unsettling in the movie. <laughs> Was it hard to jump into all that? Um. You know, we started with the monster thing. So I knew how far it was going to go, which helped because then it was almost just like taking emotions back different steps and knowing how ultimately what was going to happen to this person. And so it was weird to just really mold who she was as just a regular person because she's just this very timid, vulnerable abused character, you know, she's like her boyfriend is awful to her and her and, and her, the acting coach, you know, and, and just all she wants is just to be successful and to be, you know, someone to be proud of her. And so it was, it was a really, once, once the character started coming together, I started thinking about who she really was. And it just made me so sad for her that when we got to the point of that big ending, I was just legitimately so sad And I was just imagining this girl stuck deep down inside this body and just like all she wanted was just to be accepted and to succeed. And it just 
it just kind of came out naturally. I thought that um, it was fun to go back and shoot like me actually transforming because at the beginning of the movie, like you just see little moments of my character. So actually seeing the progression and stuff, that was really fun. And to actually get all the way there on camera was probably one of my favorite parts other than doing that weird end scene where it was just one of those moments on set that we just did one take from each angle and that was it. And it was just, it connected and it just felt like, I think everybody just felt really sad for this person. All the crew, everyone was so quiet and, and like, Josephine, who played opposite of me, she was just like tears running down her face at the end of the <laughs> end of the scene. Oh, wow. And it was just so it was just one of those moments that doesn't happen all the time on a set. And so it was for me as an actor, really rewarding. And I and, you know, Spider wrote this incredible dialogue that it, 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 like he always says, it could have either really worked or really not worked. And it would have ruined the movie if it didn't work. And I feel like it it was it's such a unique moment. And it's just like, clearly, this is not how this girl really speaks. And this weird information she's giving so it just all kind of came out very naturally and it was really fun to do this and we shot basically that whole last segment we shot it over two days but that whole like all the interaction with Josephine and I was all one day so wow so it was really quick (laughs) I'm sure it felt like a long day though damn Uh, I can't believe you did that in like one take like from from either side that's it's incredible yeah I mean I think that it was almost necessary you know because it was I feel like, it, you know, we could have done it five more times, but I feel like, well, one, you just know when you have it, you know, and uh, not, I think it would have been different had we done it more times, but I don't think it would have been better, you know, and um, like Chrissy said, it was when I wrote, I mean, if anyone's seen the movie, they know what we're talking about, but it's, there's this really bizarre moment where uh, Brody has sort of post possession mode but so sort of half herself and half not. And she has this really awkward, uncomfortable conversation with her terrified roommate. <laughs> too, you know, too afraid to, to, to leave the conversation. But yeah, like, like Chrissy alluded to, I, I remember thinking like, this is, if this doesn't work, man, mm-hmm. the movie's still going to be cool, but it's <laughs> just not going to, you know, it, it all, in, in, a, in an odd way, it all sort of hinged on that moment because it really does change the tone of the film and we've seen it twice now with an audience and everyone's sort of along for this ride and then it gets to that and you can feel the the you know just feel the the tone of the room change in the theater and um so that's the nervous laughter (laughs) yeah yeah like everybody feels like hope they want to get the fuck out of this conversation. <laughs> oh, this possible. got dark. <laughs> well, that's, that's why you get yeah. a pro like Chrissy, right? Like you need somebody to fucking <laughs> nail it on the first take. Cause yeah, it, it yeah. really, it really well, changes I mean, the whole movie. You know, it's interesting because we, when we did shoot the original sequence with John Ennis, like Chrissy doesn't have that much to do, but the monster situation was so important. And you know, the one thing, I mean, Clearly, she's a great actress, but she's also like her physicality. She can do such extreme stuff and she's not afraid to like get hurt or go, really go for it. You know, so that's why I really we were like, you know, I almost felt like oh, I'm wasting your acting talent, just making you a monster. But so fortunately, we were able to pay it off with the fifth story and, you know, putting some real like dramatic moments to tackle as well. I have to say this. Yeah, is- I thought that was. 
Sorry, was that? Uh, I was just gonna say this is probably the only movie where you're really like happy for the character when they get possessed. You're like, good for her. (laughs) (laughs) She showed him. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a female revenge moment, which is nice. But yeah, no, I think I think the cool thing too about some of that stuff that we did in the end scene is we always rehearse a lot with all these with the films we do because we have such a small amount of time. We shoot everything usually like every segment was all shot in one day other than the end one. Um, So there's a lot of rehearsal and that the cool thing about that end scene for Josephine and I, anyway, was that we never spider didn't want us to ever rehearse it. So no one, he'd never seen us do it and we've never, we never did it with each other. So it was sort of this really weird moment that I think everyone authentically was just super uncomfortable which <laughs> which I think helped a lot for everybody so yeah that that was a really unique thing we've never really done in any of our films wow was it wasn't it also I'm just like th- remembering uh something you said in the Q&A after we after the premiere at Panic Fest wasn't it also so uncomfortable that you guys forgot to shoot the end of the movie <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that that was my fault. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I mean, you're, you know, like we, like you said, we shoot so fast and we shoot, you know, and I don't know what clicked in my brain, but I just thought we were done. And I think I know what it was. So I had my script pages, and the last page was literally like two sentences: like Hope walks back to the couch, sits down, six notes rise, whatever. You know, giving away the ending of the film. Great, but anyway. Um, <laughs> And so I guess I neglected to turn the page and realize. And so it was an amazing moment. Got back home. I was so excited. We just nailed that scene. Chris is like, let me make you a margarita. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> And then I'm sitting there taking a sip and I'm just like, forgot to film the end of the movie. <laughs> like literally the last last 30 seconds of the movie i thought he was lying for like at least a half an hour i was like there's no way you're that stupid he's like no i i shot her leaving the room and walking down the hall and then yeah. i was like that, that's a wrap and i'm like oh my god call everybody you have to shoot it tomorrow or we're gonna be fucked like, so, so, so fortunately everybody was still available the location was still available and we all went back and knocked out the, you know, what we met. It only took a few hours, but it was just crazy, you know. <laughs> That's got to be so one stressful. Of those, well, one I, of those things, yeah. you know. Well, it's probably also, too, that you were like, this this final moment with Chrissy is so big. We have to fucking nail it. I'm sure you were just, like, obsessing over that. And, and once just, you got it in the can, you're like, yeah, That's we're it. done. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and normally I would stay on set, which I always do, but I, I was like, it was such a long day, and I had, like, this crazy headache, and I was like, oh, they have, like, literally 15 minutes left to shoot I'm, I'm i'm gonna take off early and so i'm like oh cool he's that was really fast you rap super fast and i'm like well, yeah because you didn't shoot anything else. the one time you leave him alone okay. i know hey, guys, guys okay enough on this subject you've all, made, you've all made your point i'm an idiot okay Oh, I, I, it's crazy too that like didn't you uh, get shut down because of COVID like even though your shoot was only like six days long like you were still like oh well I guess we got to pack up and go home for a while we didn't get shut down did, well well we started the first I guess not technically shut down but when we did the first scene with Ennis uh, it was like two days before COVID just became a thing that's crazy oh. yeah. so yeah but then we picked up I and mean, we found we found ways to do it. We had to abide by all the SAG COVID protocol that at certain points of this thing was insane. The things you had to do, you know, you yeah. needed 
well, was so early diagram, on, yeah. diagrams of your location and where the windows were and where you're going to put the fans and where people were going to stand when they had lunch and all this, yeah. you know, but we did everything that we were supposed to, to get this thing done. And, yeah. We had the uh, smallest crews you could imagine. Like it was, it was actually hilarious. The amount of people, sometimes there's like maybe 10 people on set. Like that's it. It was yeah, so. And that's including actors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would, I mean, it's kind of a, it kind of, it just goes to show you, 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 you can't accomplish quite a bit with, with very few people if everybody is prepared and, and talented. You know, I think sometimes when people make smaller films, they dig themselves a hole by thinking that they're making some, you know, hundred million dollar feature instead of just going, Hey man, we need a, some, we need a DP, a sound guy and my actors and makeup and let's go. And then you can do it. You know, if the concept is simple enough. Is that sort of like a like an ethos that the the two you work f- that, that that you hold and and everything else that you do like do you try and keep it simple like try not to overthink everything? Yeah, I think so. I think that with we we like to yeah having a minimal crew in general is, even with a larger budget is easier, less people, less going on, and more control. And I think that. I think I'm even more than spider. I'm like, we can do this. Yeah. I always, I'm like, look, we can shoot something in four days. Sure. Of course we can. We're going to do it. We'll break it down. And I think I make him crazy, but it ends up happening. I think you just have to be like, you know, just, you have to do the pre-work, which is just like scheduling, scheduling, rehearsing, you know, spending a lot of time with the DP going through shots. And if you do all the work ahead of time on the day, it's actually not as bad as people would imagine it's I find that it's usually when there's effects that that can be the thing that slows everything down and if it's I I always tend to like to shoot the effects first because you know that that can end up being a full day but but yeah I think so what do you think spider uh yeah I mean there's there's a funny uh story I don't know if it's a true story or not but apparently like some famous director who I don't know who has went and visited Stanley Kubrick on shooting when he was shooting one of his movies and this other director was like, where's your crew? He's like, this is it. He's like, how many do you need? You know, so I think there is, a, you know, if, if he feels that way, then I'm going to stick with that. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you know, I think you can get bogged down with having too many. I mean, I say that now, but, you know, <laughs> some, I also would probably love having 200 people working on a movie and feeling like <laughs> king of my domain. But right now, keeping it simple is 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 definitely uh the way that we i think it's why we accomplished so many things so quickly yeah i mean at least you were able to to get away from the that the one problem stanley kubrick always had was like you know what 200 takes is fine let's do let's, yeah. let's just do another 50 just to see what's what i'm the opposite as clearly i don't even shoot some of the movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you also, um, like in, in saying that you keep your crew very small, that's kind of hiding the fact that you guys have a bunch of hats when you when you do stuff, like you carry a bunch of roles on your own. How do you guys divvy stuff up? Is it like kind of a natural thing or? Um, well, I think with our production company, um, I mean, I do all the posts. I edit it. I do sound, I do the sound design and music. So if there's like, for instance, like Allegoria, like Spider would, was doing the music as well, I mean, like he wrote eight legs and you know, that's, but, uh, but yeah, I tend to do all the posts, which really helps for us because we can shoot something and go home that night and start editing it. And it's like, you know, it moves the project along. You're not waiting on anybody. It definitely helps with the cost, but it's more just about like us having control over the creative. I always say it's almost like you get your painting 75% of the way there. And then you let someone else finish it. That just feels weird to me. Yeah. So I really enjoy doing the post side of it. And um, 
production wise, I think that, you know, Spider's really great with a lot of like the art department stuff. I mean, we both like to do that in wardrobe, but he's really involved. And I tend to do a lot of more of the paperwork type stuff, which is really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's favorite part, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's it is it's just it's just fun to be involved. And even if we did hire out, you know, a hundred people for separate departments, it would still be in their hands on. I mean, it's just the way to do it. You know, it's not unlike being in a band where you know some bands they write the songs and they don't care what the videos look like or they don't care what the album cover is. They they farm it out, and and then there are other bands like the way I've always approached it is just do everything. You know, you write the songs, you design the wardrobe, you design the album covers, you write the press release, you just, because it's your thing, you know, and you want to feel connected to as many parts of it as possible. And I think that's what the same with these films is just, you know, I love getting in there and distressing wardrobe and picking out what people are going to wear and painting walls and do whatever it is. And, you know, and set designing, it's just, it's your world. So like, who else is going to know better? Yeah. Maybe at some point you'll have people to assist you in that, but it, it still has to be your final say and your vision to make it feel right for you because no one's going to you know no one can climb inside your brain and and execute what you have so you have to do it yourself as much as you can i completely agree with you like we're we're also the kind of people that just do everything ourselves if if we can uh or we teach ourselves how to do it if we think we can (laughs) um but do you think that that like i'm just thinking like allegory is a movie about artists who uh have fucking darkness visit them like do you you think that that approach is is what kind of ends up tipping you over the edge occasionally like i I have to assume you both have days where you're like i you know you self-doubt you you have days where you're Uh, beat yourself up 100 (laughs) percent yeah (laughs) no i mean we we just finished our uh our next film we just shot it and we we just finished the first past edit and that one was a beast we shot all night shoots seven days um in the middle of the desert horrible conditions (laughs) like it was just and then you know even in the edit there are certain scenes I'm like I was just hitting a wall I'm like I hate this I I can't (laughs) I'm gonna do this at the end and yeah I definitely and I you know Spires tells a story uh I'm sure he'll love to tell you from the set from this last one but yeah I remember the seventh day shooting this film and it just being like they had a couple scenes left that were pretty important for my character and I was like I don't even care if we shoot them we'll figure something else out in the end like I don't want to do that I'm so tired I just want to go to bed I want to go home I really want yeah, to go out wine but the sun's coming up like that <laughs> yeah I mean we ran ourselves ragged but yeah and I think it does I mean you know it's interesting with the, like you said about allegory and it's all based on people being obsessed and clearly you know sometimes you don't see yourself until someone else points it out but like that is what we're doing yeah, and to a level of you know where those demons do arise you know what I mean in those where you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't recognize yourself because you're too wrapped up in chasing this obsession you know of getting a movie done or getting something done and uh, so yeah I, I think you know the, the those stories hit home more than maybe you consciously realize until later maybe it's like you pointed out, you know, you're like, yeah, I saw, I saw an interview with a clip of an interview with Steven Spielberg the other day where uh, someone was talking about close encounters and they said, what did your parents, Steven Spielberg, what did your parents do? And he said, well, I think it was my dad was a musician or my mom was a musician and my other parent was worked on computers. And he's like, oh, well, how did the 
how did the humans communicate with the aliens in Close Encounters? He's like, holy shit, music and music computers. And computers like, yeah. I've never even put those things together. And sometimes you don't realize how much of yourself is in the things you write and other people can see it clearer than you can, you know, and sometimes you don't figure it out so much later that like, wow, that is, that's me right there, you know, but you didn't realize it when you were writing it. I think that's why the film resonated so much with us because, oh, because yeah. we're kind of the same way. And you've, you've had the opportunity to, to, to screen the film a couple of times. Have you kind of got a, like a, the same response from creative people, artists? Are they just like, I see myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear a lot from, especially doing these interviews, because most people we talk to are writers, you know, so they tend to, yeah, like, uh, man, like that screenwriter one, <laughs> you know, someone at the LA premiere, I think they wrote me a message saying, man, I slunk down on my seat. I thought that was me on screen, you know? And so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, another friend of mine said, you you made the most LA movie since Swingers, you know, like <laughs> so people are definitely relating and seeing themselves in this, uh, you know, as artistic people. But I think that even if you're not an artist, I think that you can, I think it will be fun for people to look into a world maybe they're not familiar with. But I think everybody can share uh, the same feelings, you know, the same feelings of inadequacy or obsession or, you know, no matter what they do. But there is a special place for it in creative people's, you know, consciousness you know because we are all crazy (laughs) and you just i mean you tap all facets like you have you have painting you have writing you have acting like everybody gets everybody gets a moment where they're like yeah it is like that (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i think my my it's fun too i think there's an interesting in the story with uh scout and and adam bush you know i think it's it's kind of the one with adam being the non the one non-artist character it's interesting to step into the world you know i think a lot of people can be that guy just not understanding art and having this you know kooky artist kind of try to walk you through it and he's just like i have no idea what you're talking about cool cool cool. (laughs) yeah but he's also an aspiring artist you know he wishes he was that like he wishes the musician he but he just didn't he didn't go for it quite the way that scout did yeah There's, there's, uh, I, I have a question about that scene, but there's such a great fucking moment in that segment that, that we were always like head over heels about where she, she holds a knife to her neck and he freaks out and it's like, there, see, there you go. I went from a girl to an emotion. I'm like, that's yeah. fucking amazing. I love that. Um, no question. Yeah. No, no question. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I was curious. We are, I'm spoiling the end of that segment for anybody that hasn't, uh, that hasn't watched it. So I skip ahead 15 seconds if you want. Uh, is Scout's art photography or is it murder? Well, I think she referenced herself as a sculpt. She's a sculptor. Oh, good point. Yeah. In, yeah so in, but in, and then he goes, oh, and, and then if you catch it, he asks, oh, like, you mean like clay? And she's like, hmm. <laughs> really? So I, you know, what I think you, what I get out of it is what I, my intention was that her, her, her sculptures are her victims. Got it. And so she gets to know them and like she did, uh, Adam's character and he, he confessed to her his, when he was a kid, he wanted to be a rock star. So she makes him a rock star at a certain point through her <laughs> art and through her sculpture. So, yeah, I think that, you know, I know she takes pictures of her art with her Polaroid camera, which is another added level to her character but yeah i mean i think the idea is that she she just turns her victims into her her, her sculptures 
she makes their dreams come true. Hell yeah. 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 <laughs> Such a good date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, from one side of the from one side of the table, great day, great first day. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to be a rock star. <laughs> so we uh, like you know talking about like the you know the the murder victim sculptures and your your monster face and the I can't remember the name of him, but the the paint monster. Yeah, that's uh, what we call him the paint monster. Yeah. Did, did you two make all of that stuff yourselves? No, I mean, we, we, uh, I'll design uh, what I want the monster to look like, but we had a couple of really talented makeup artists and effects people, um, Gitsy and Ashley, uh, great, just young, talented people. And, um, you know, I'd maybe like to draw a sketch or discuss with them. Like the paint monster was an interesting one because it was like, I didn't know how you would achieve that, that look, you know, the sort of dripping, burning paint. And I originally just, I think I sent her a picture of like a, one of those black, like S&M masks, you know, shiny. Like I wanted to be shiny like this, but just like no expression. And, and so she's like, oh, I have this great uh, material that just kind of, you apply it and it starts to melt, but then it, it dries. So it was amazing. So that was a good indication of somebody taking this idea and being able to execute it in a way that, um, you know, better than I, I could have imagined. Yeah, I think like the little things they did were made it really special. Like even the monster that I've become, they, they have these prosthetic lips on me. Like that's the only real prosthetics they had, but it just makes my face really like off-putting. And I think that that's like a great, great makeup artist where it's not just, you're not just painting, you're doing like little elements and like Ashley sat there and made all the little lesions herself. And so she wow. she'd, like apply them as we go and like little things like that, I think really make it unique and special. Yeah, that's a great little touch. Yeah, because like your mouth becomes, it's like, you, oh, you look like a real person, but something about, like there's an Uncanny Valley thing where like something about this is really wrong. Yeah. Like, just, you know, other than like the goop hanging out of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And plus I got to have really crazy lips for a day, which was really fun. It was, yeah, before, it was just- before we did the actual monster makeup, you just looked like an Instagram model gone wrong. Like <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> lips that were just so fake looking but that's a whole movie though (laughs) yeah did you get to eat while you had the lips on was that hard or even just drinking water (laughs) i didn't even try honestly like it was so uncomfortable and then and then after once they put the stuff in my mouth it was like pepto-bismol mixed with like coloring and it was just i just was like i couldn't eat the whole i was like my mouth just everything tasted disgusting like that horrible (laughs) but yeah it was it it looked really really gross because it was so. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think great. the second time we did it, I actually almost threw up. Like I was like dry heat when went out in the bed. Like I was oh. like, oh my god, I put too much in my mouth and it was like really bad. So. <laughs> I, I just imagine spiders seeing you about to throw up. Like roll a camera, get it, get it, get it. <laughs> yeah, totally. More vomit. <laughs> So, so post production wise, I'm curious what your what your process is like for uh, for sound design. We we actually have some friends that are that are staying with us that are you know visiting from out of town. So we were like, hey, it's been great hanging out, but we have to watch this movie for an interview tomorrow. And like the the first the, the thing that he was raving about throughout the whole movie was how great the sound was. So I would really want to hear about that. Uh, cool. I mean, I usually I edit it first, and then. I always do the dialogue first, get, get that close. And then, and then it usually goes into more of the sound designing stuff before the music once in a while, obviously like uh, with the six notes and stuff, it was important to have the music in there pretty early, but it's like, 
we usually start pretty simple and this film is pretty simple. It's just a lot of tones and frequencies, but it's usually like the progression. I always, I always do the boring part first, which is putting the dialogue in, you know, cause that always is just kind of more tedious than anything. But, uh, but yeah, then it's fun because if you start really simple, then, you know, we can go in and layer it and, you know, spider will be like, it needs more. Like when we, I think when my transition scene we even added like raccoons mating and like weird <laughs> things like that you wouldn't think about, but it really works in like bubbles and just like just bizarre sounds that don't seem like they would make sense. But I think we've learned by doing this a lot that you're like we need a sound for this and it doesn't always have to be a practical sound. Sometimes it's cool if you use something else that it's more off-putting and more unique. So yeah, when, you, when you think about sound, sound design for film and music for film it's very it's a very odd thing because you're filming real things happening and real people doing things but in real life you're not hearing you know mm -hmm. synthesizer sounds or orchestras playing but you so then you're 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 faced with this weird task of creating it's you know it, the way i like to think of it is like what the sound design is what you're feeling in your head if this was happening to you so i mean i love um just unnerving like can be very simple i'm not a like so far in any of these movies we haven't really done traditional scoring it's more just i just you know i love that you know 70s and 80s of weird like you know i think it was because someone probably got their hands on an early synthesizer and was like wow listen to this you know and <laughs> you know these weird tones and stuff that don't and but that's the stuff I grew up hearing. So I, I tend to go that route where it's just like, and yeah, and, and, and the same thing with she's referencing and you putting it, you're, you're building these layers of sound where, you know, something simple might be happening like uh, somebody's, you know, bone breaking, but you don't just make a sound of a bone breaking. You're, you're adding these different things in there to heighten it, um, but also keep, you know, for our movies, I think we like to keep it, fairly grounded you know we we've, we've made reference watching other shows and we watch stranger things and yeah, they're like over the top sound like someone drops a backpack on the floor it's like <laughs> you know <laughs> like explosion. it's like yeah that's a bit much but um but that but, but it's, it's super effective for for certain things it just yeah, depends what you're trying to portray like it works great for stranger things but i think like yeah if you're trying to make a really grounded movie that it what Spider's saying is makes a lot of sense where you're like you know simplify and make you feel like you're really in the room and yeah and, and keep keep some natural stuff going i mean i watched uh taxi driver again last night for the thousandth time and that movie is amazing because man they just everything's just natural so if a police car went by the sirens in there everything people screaming out on the street and there's something about that that's just you don't really see in modern film very often you know, because everything's like cleaned up and scrubbed up and ADR'd and everything's perfect. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's nice to try to capture a little of that, you know, old school natural vibe. Yeah, I always favor that. Like, there's like a real door closing or, you know, at a film where like the floors would creak constantly. I'm like, well, they're in an old house. That's what it sounds like. I, I always will keep the real sound. I, I'm not going to sit there and pull out natural yeah, ambiance. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. What, how do you, how do you have like raccoons mating just like part of the toolbox? Like, do you have a library that you're just like going through or did you yeah. hear that one time and you were like, I got to remember that? 
No, it's weird. It's like, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes we actually, you know, fully stuff. And and then sometimes you'll like, yeah, you, you can go, I have a library of weird sounds. And then sometimes you'll just go searching for something and you're like, you don't know why. Like we tend to do that a lot. Like, why are we looking for this? But it tends to work. I don't really know why. That's just kind of like the way our brains kind of <laughs> work. We're like, you know, be really cool is, yeah, raccoons mating. I don't know. Or I've used like rattlesnake sounds for something that doesn't have a snake and, you know, things okay. like that. We like, we like the use of things like clocks to keep like tension with, that's yeah. more of a natural sound. And yeah, the frequency things are really cool. Like you can get some really un- like unnerving where you almost don't even notice there's sound in there, but it's just something is like making your stomach turn a little bit. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. Like really low bass stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And then there's just like, yeah, there's just these weird yeah, it's hard. It's hard to even explain because it just it's more way more of a feeling than any, uh, even an awareness that there's sound going on. Yeah, I love the the improvisation of it because it's it sounds a lot like let, let's just throw it on there and see how it feels. And if it works, it stays. <laughs> totally. It, and then, yeah, we tend to commit pretty quick. If we're like, it feels right, then it's right. We're not going to sit there and, you know, nitpick something. It's sort of like, yeah, if you have a great take, you're like, well, that's it, it's right. So let's just trust it and move forward, you know. You you guys sound incredibly busy, by the way. Like you do all of these things for each of your projects, but then you also it sounds like you don't give yourself time in between projects. Like this this movie's coming out. Well, it you know it's movie's coming out next week at the time and at the time anybody's listening to it, it's already out. But you've yeah. already got another one finished. I'm sure you're planning another one right now. Spiders on tour. When do you sleep? <laughs> we don't. Uh, I'm yeah, so <laughs> Not to mention we have a toddler too, so that's yeah. like a whole other level of insanity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's her fault. That's Chrissy's fault. I'm the one that would be like, you know, let's do a movie next year. And she's like, we have to do it now. And I'm like, oh, God. It's like I, I get very antsy. Like, I feel like I can't sit for long. I felt like, you know, we also, we have a podcast that is very, it's a very time consuming podcast because it's original scary stories and mm-hmm. sound design and stuff like that. So it's, that that was taking up a lot of time, but I think that it's hard. You start missing like just being on set and making something new. And you know, we've we've had allegory in the can for a while, so it's like it felt like we needed to shoot something. I don't know. I can't I can't sit around. But it is a. I mean, it is a lesson learned for anybody out there. You know, not that they have to be as insane as us and make you know two movies in a year <laughs> and go on tour and you know whatever. But you know, sometimes the you know the hardest part of doing anything that's going to be meaningful in your life is just starting because you you give yourself a million reasons why you can't, or, you know, why you shouldn't, or if I just had this, or if I've had somebody, this person to help me, or I'm wait, I'm going to wait till I get a, you know, my manager is going to, well, all this stuff, like people, people set up so many obstacles, but once, if you can just push yourself to go, then you kind of can't stop. You know what I mean? You've already committed. You've already made those phone calls. People are depending on you. And it, you'd be really surprised at what you can accomplish with just, you know, once you get past that initial sort of fear that we all have of doing anything a big, you know what I mean? Cause what's the biggest, you know, your biggest fear is it's failing, right? But there's no failing. If you, if you, if you finish it, you've succeeded, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's like in anything creative, you know, it's having something that just exists in the world and you can't be concerned about, who's going to like it, who's not going to like it. Did you do, did you nail it a hundred percent? Because you're not going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to leave the project with some things that you wish you could have done different or better, had more time. But the fact that you, 
you make something and it exists in the world as just the, the endless energy that that produces in your life is like invaluable. So um, I guess that's why we do it. You know, it's just because it's, it, it, I mean, it, back to the allegoria thing, you know, this creative beast that's in us as <laughs> you know, anybody out there that has that spark, it, it won't leave you alone. And the only time you will rest is I think when you do accomplish something, because until then you're going to have this anxiety and you might not know why, you know what I mean? Because I think the art controls the artist, you know what I mean? The artist doesn't generally control the art. That's why if you're a writer or a painter or a musician, you know, why do you wake up at three in the morning with a song idea? Why do you wake up and with a, 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 a title for a story or a movie concept, you know, it's because it's, it's pulling the strings on you. You're not <laughs> in control, you know? And I think that even lends more, even more to the whole horror aspect of art. It's like a, it's a form of possession. You know what I mean? We, we are possessed by our creative demons, you know? So um, I think the only way to exercise those demons is to be productive. And um, that's what we try to do. Hell yeah. I love that, that that justifies being more eccentric. You're like, it's not me. It's it's my art, Dan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I <laughs> so I, it's true. I mean, I don't, I, I don't I don't sit down and force myself to be creative. It's always like it finds you, you know, mm-hmm. you're driving or you're in the shower or whatever. And all of a sudden, boom. So it's like, oh, you know, I should do, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting process that happens. I, I don't really know anybody that can force creativity you know it yeah. just like uh you know there's a concept and it's kind of new agey or whatever but like if you're you open yourself up to, to the universe there's all these things floating around just waiting to be you know accepted and if you can be open to that then you'll do you know have all kinds of endless cool things to do you know I know uh, I know you guys have been posting, you know, videos and stuff on on Instagram. Can you can you tell us a little bit about uh, the movie you just finished and what it's about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to talk? No, you go ahead. Oh, you don't want you don't want to do it? Well, <laughs> no. it's called it's called uh, Bury the Bride and it's the first movie that we've actually written together. Um I directed it, Chrissy stars in it along with Scout and uh, a bunch of amazing actors that like we we found some I don't want to say unknown because they've all had accomplished things in their resume but some people that are going to like blow you away I feel so fortunate that we've been able to build this like group of uh, actors but anyway it's um it's a don't story. give away the one thing though <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean where Santa Claus fights the devil yeah, yeah, <laughs> to do it every time <laughs> Well, anyway, it's a it's a briefly put, it's a story of uh, basically about these two sisters and the younger sister is getting uh, is engaged to sort of a mystery man that no one really knows that much about. And her older sister, played by Chrissy and and her group of friends are not terribly supportive of, of this idea. So they go on a bachelorette weekend to the family home of this guy, only to discover it is not anything what they were expecting and it's absolutely hell on earth and terrible terrible things happen to all of them (laughs) but we won't tell you what or how or under what circumstances that's a very like um i was explaining you know if allegoria is like a cerebral like think about it kind of quiet movie bury the bride is a very like physical uh movie you know very much more intense i suppose in a different way 
and I guess more action oriented in a, in a sense, you know, it's a very smart movie too, but it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a different tone for sure. It took a lot out of, I think, everybody on the set, including crew. It really shows you, you know, the impact, I think, of this movie. You know, at the end of the day, we'd be like driving home and just like sort of tortured by whatever happened on the set that day to the characters and editing it. I was in like this funk for like almost two weeks. I was just like, what's wrong with me? And it's because it's so intense and so heavy, but also like you just there's like levity in the story that so it's like you like these people and it makes it so much worse and it's just yeah I think we went pretty far with this film which I think it became something even more than we thought it was once we actually started shooting it which was crazy (laughs) right on I can't wait to see that that sounds awesome yeah hopefully uh panic fest 2000 and 23 what's the next one 22 <laughs> <laughs> we're 22 right now <laughs> yeah i was gonna say when's uh when's the big baby movie <laughs> yeah. yeah you're you're not the you're not the first to ask that um <laughs> i feel like i'm being just pushed to, to do that i, I feel like yeah i, I the universe is telling you to do it you just got to open yourself up <laughs> yeah. there you there's, go <laughs> there's definitely going to be some resurrection of big baby in the future there has to be even if it's another short film or something i feel like Big Baby is, although I do have a plan, so I want to make the Big Baby movie and then the Whistler movie, which is another character. Oh, that'd be good. And then Big Baby versus the Whistler. (laughs) versus Jason. You know, have a whole franchise going on. The big baby cinematic universe. You you could just have that, like every character in all of your future movies that watches a movie is always watching Big Baby. Big Baby Five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if we if we shot Big Baby the way we shot Big Baby in this film, we could probably shoot that in three days. So maybe it'll be out this year. Who knows? (laughs) You could get Vinegar Syndrome to put it out, and they could pretend it's some lost video nasty from the late eighties. There you go. Well, listen, you guys can get work. Working on that script, let me know. <laughs> Does Big Baby need a script? He just goes, way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We could just improv the whole thing. <laughs> well, it's it's been great talking to you guys. And uh, we, like, we like to close every interview by asking what your dream double feature would be at the drive-in. If you could play any two movies at a drive-in, what would you play? God, you go first. Well, okay. So I, I thought a lot about this. I'm... They totally don't go together, but I think maybe they'll be like a weird compliment and very different films. And this is probably the weirdest answer, but I think just because I love both of these films, I do the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, and then The Craft to oh, finish wow. off. Yeah. That's so a it would just very like it, it, it would just like really you go through different things, and I feel like you would end the night feeling like pretty good. Yeah. But you know. <laughs> And they're two of my favorite movies. Hell yeah. The craft, the craft remake, though. Of course. Right? No. <laughs> no. Come on. Yeah. That's a good man. There's, there's so many movies you could do a great double feature with. But you know what? I didn't even, I didn't have this plan. I just thought of this, though. When I was a kid, I remember going to, uh, I think it was Disneyland or Disney World. And I didn't, they don't have this anymore, but they had this little restaurant that was built to be like a drive in, and you sat in cars. And they and they just showed trailers, but it wasn't wasn't really horror movies. It was all like classic sci-fi. So I know this is a horror podcast, but I think going to uh, the drive-in and watching some old classic like Forbidden Planet and maybe The Day the Earth Stood Still, not the Keanu Reeves one, but the original, would be really fun. So if we went sci-fi, we'd do that. 
Or if we go horror, we're also going to go classic drive-in era, and we're going to do Them, which is the giant ants movie with uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. So there's my sci-fi and horror picks. That's rad. That's fun. Hey, heads up, though. Disney World in Florida still has that restaurant. Oh, maybe that's it then. Maybe, yeah. I love that. I I remember going there as a kid and thinking, like, I want to live here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There was there was a time before we moved away from Toronto that we seriously considered buying a abandoned grocery store to basically turn it into that. But making an actual drive-in that you could just go to in like <laughs> shitty weather and stuff and like yeah. uh, waitresses ride around on um like roller skates and give you burgers to your <laughs> fake car. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. No, there's a it, there's a similar in uh it, it's it unfortunately closed down, but it's funny um in Burbank, California, there was a Fry's, which is an electronic store that they had designed as all science fiction. Oh, and it's cool. actually featured in Nope, which I just saw the other night. Oh, when yeah. They're at Fry's. That's the Burbank Fry's with the flying saucer that's crashed into oh, the, no front way. Of the building. And so they had a little cafe there, too, like that with cars. And they would show like science mm-hmm. fiction uh, trailers. I don't know. It's just so there's something so comforting and <laughs> cool about that. Company. I just love it. So, yeah. <laughs> great picks uh, spider chrissy thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us thank you guys, thank you guys. So you Pleasure. thank you so much to spider one and chrissy fox for joining us on nightmare on film street watch the film now on shutter allegoria it's dope and then let us know what you think. You can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast. You can find us in our Discord server, nofspodcast.com slash Discord. Be sure to comment in the spoiler channel if you're going to get spoilery. Um, but be warned, it's a total nope situation. Oh, yeah, you really, right that's, that's the thing. Like, no matter what movie comes out, like, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is coming out. And if you want to talk about Bodies, 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 you also have to have seen nope. Because <laughs> the, the converse, nope is dominating the conversation, at least in the spoiler thread. But, yeah, if you want to talk to us about Allegoria, we desperately desperately want to talk to you about Allegoria. Uh, and also, it's an indie movie, so if you really liked it, you got to recommend it to at least 10 friends. We need more people to see this. <laughs> uh, if you're a fan of the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review or rating, depending on where you're listening to this. Um, it really helps the show grow, and uh, we need your stars. Give us your stars. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time. Stay creepy, fiends.